Hey guys, this is Griffin Burke from Happy Physique. If you want to leverage your message and build a meaningful business, you should be listening to stories that sell. My friend Scott Ramage is awesome and it's a really good time. You'll learn a lot. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. In this episode, I talk with Griffin Burke. He is the founder and CEO of Happy Physique a program that shows women how to lose body fat and be healthy without giving up booze or brunch or restricting themselves from any one way of eating or exercising. This is a really fun conversation and we really dig into things like self-talk, self-love, uh, relationships with food and yourself and self-image, uh, how discipline can keep you from success and positive feedback cycles and more. Stay tuned, this is a great one, folks. Hey, before we get started, Imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. Hey, hey, Griffin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah, so uh, as we start this podcast, every time I just tell people, rewind a little bit and start sharing your story. So it's your turn, man. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm a health coach by trade. Um, I run a program called Happy Physique. It's a fat loss program for women who want to lose body fat without giving up booze and, and carbs and things they enjoy for a lot of reasons. Um, let's start back at my birth. <laughs> <laughs> We're going way. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to. So it, like my health journey actually started really young because uh, I was born with congenital heart defects. So born a little abnormal in the heart department, uh, doctors like 
noticed this at birth that there was something going on, but we didn't really know what it was exactly. So I was being monitored. But when I was about five or six years old, um, I started, I we, I we would go out on like hikes and camping trips and stuff with my parents. And I would complain. And I remember this about leg pain. Like I couldn't walk. I couldn't get through the hikes. And my, I think my parents initially were just like, is he just a little wuss or <laughs> is, is there something actually wrong? So they brought me back to my cardiologist and it turned out that I had like a narrowing in my aorta. So my lower extremities were not getting enough blood. So they had to do open heart surgery to fix that. They fixed that. Um, but as you can imagine, that was uh, a pretty big deal at that age um, and really impacted like my view of health. But I, I don't know if it's in the way that you would expect. I mean, at that age, being six years old and having open heart surgery, having doctors tell you, like, you're a little different, you need to take care of yourself, you need to be careful. But you know, we got it, you're lucky, you know, <laughs> everything's gonna be okay. You're like, okay, uh, I, need, I need to take care of myself. Um, you're kind of aware of your mortality at a very young age, a little mm -hmm. anxious of, about around your health. But at the same time, I had this gratitude for life. Like I was thankful for life. I wanted to enjoy it. And that's where the conflict starts, right? <laughs> you want to enjoy your, your life to its fullest, try everything, but you also want to take care of yourself. And I think a lot of people understand that conflict. It's like, I want to, I want to drink. I want to have fun. I want to try everything. I want to, I don't want to turn down anything, but you know, prioritizing your health really uh, seems to require that. Um, and then in comes fitness which is like kind of a separate story, but I got into fitness because I wanted a girlfriend. Um, just super, super insecure, super uh, self-conscious, uh, socially anxious. Like I just would be really nervous talking to people. So, I, but I wanted love, you know, I wanted a girlfriend. So I, I decided that if I was really fit, I didn't have to talk to them. <laughs> I could just attract them, right? There you uh, go, that's a great concept. Yeah, you know, just for anyone that's wondering, Yes, it works, um, but not to find love because, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you remove your control to like reach out to people and, and like connect with them and you're not going to find the love you're looking for. Um, but, you know, like, uh, you know, I wanted to be really fit. I wanted to, to take care of all of my insecurities by looking better. And uh, that kind of made that conflict with, you know, wanting to enjoy my life, but be healthy even greater because, you know, with fitness, it's like people just assume you got to cut out everything good in your life. No carbs, no sugar, no gluten, no grease, no alcohol. And that's how you be healthy. You got to have, you got to have a pure environment, pure body. And uh, I went down that road that I think everyone goes down when they're trying to be fit, which is trying the diets, trying to cut out carbs, uh, noticing that their lifestyle is not really a good fit for what they're trying to accomplish. As in like, you know, I, I think around by college, I was a full-blown social alcoholic, mm -hmm. you know, drinking a lot on the weekends, especially. And when you're trying to be perfect all week with your diet and exercise, and then on the weekends, what happens when you enjoy yourself, you go overboard, you get really drunk, you eat all the pizza, you quote unquote, ruin everything and start again Monday, which then again, for me, like I was textbooked in that kind of cycle. And, uh, also just doing what everyone else does actually is just like, you know, getting in the cardio game. So I'm lifting weights. I'm doing cardio every single day. I'm running 16 to 20 miles a week, making up for that weekend fun. And I'm just not finding the balance. Um, 
but again, dedicated to not giving anything up in life. Like I really want to experience everything. Like I've been down the road of drugs and alcohol and back um, just for the sake of trying things. Um, I don't have a problem today, probably because I have good values and, and I'm lucky, but um, yeah, I, I think I always knew while I was doing that, trying to be fit, but also trying to enjoy my life that there had to be a better way to all of that because I was, I was a biology student in college and I had some education in science and I just kind of knew that I didn't know that much. I knew. Yeah. 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 At what age were you, did you start really working out just trying to improve your physique? Yeah. What age did that approach start? I think I dabbled when I was like 15 and then off and then like 18, 19 got really into it. And then through college, it, it was when it like really blossomed into okay. uh, an obsession, if you will. Um, yeah. So which, which, you know, comes in, you know, college social life with all the drinking, with all the girls and the, all the insecurities and not knowing what you're doing. I just like, really like I had to be fit. So, uh, but it, like what most people experience with that, when you're trying really hard to be strict during the week and, you know, having crazy weekends and having a drinking problem or just having a food problem in general, um, you, you don't get the results <laughs> and you're frustrated, right? Like I wasn't, even when I was going really hard with everything, like the results were mediocre. I was either like kind of bigger than I wanted to be or scrawnier than I wanted to be. And I was just never satisfied. Um, but yeah, again, I, I knew that there had to be a better way because I was like, I know I'm missing information. I know some of the scientific principles behind like body composition, sort of. Um, so I'm going to keep, keep trying. And I think that's when like around like 2021, 20, I discovered, you know, macros and flexible dieting and stuff like that, where you're, you're tracking everything and you're trying to manage your intake of all the nutrients, including like alcohol. And it's like, I think that really was me like finding the right science to change my body composition, getting results finally, um, looking much better for sure, but still lacking all the other stuff, the confidence, the clarity with what I actually wanted and uh, the health part really, because I was still very anxious around my health, my heart, like what I was actually doing, what was right, what was wrong. Um, I was still treating alcohol and food the same way that I always was. I was just like really had found like control, I guess you could say. I had found like a, a very strict control over everything. And this is like, this is where my career comes in. <laughs> right around 21, I never intended to be like a coach or anything like that. I called a local gym because I was still in school and I wanted a to, I wanted some income. So I was like, I'll just work the front desk at a gym and then I can go to the gym and everything's taken care of. And the guy at the front desk was like, we don't have anyone for this position, but we're looking for personal trainers. Do you have a certification? And at that time I had no idea. Like I'd never thought about that. I didn't know what it required or anything like that. And I was like, oh no, but I'll look into that. And I just kind of went down that rabbit hole, like fast forward, got the certification, dropped out of school, wanted to just be a personal trainer because I was like, well, I can do this. And I can help people with it. And like, I, I totally know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I didn't <laughs> at all. Um, and uh, yeah, so around like 21, 22, became a personal trainer, uh, 
wanted to help people, didn't really believe that I could actually make a difference though. I was still very insecure at this point. Had not figured out that other side of health, um, the mental side, really very anxious too. I was still on this journey um, of trying to figure out like how to balance enjoyment in life and health and fitness and everything. And I knew there had to be a better way um, without going too far into specific examples. You're, you're welcome to ask if you want, but uh, I met a lot of good people, a lot of good mentors, discovered where my insecurities come from, where my anxieties come from, where my, my self-loathing came from. And once I was able to kind of focus on the relationships within my life, within, with the food, with the alcohol, with myself, that's when things really changed for me. And, and I was able to reduce the amount of rules that I had around fitness, around eating and all these things without reducing the amount of results I was getting uh, because a lot of it was just run by anxiety. And then I also, this was like probably a big pivotal moment where it changed the way I do things in my career as a coach as well was just kind of discovering like where my body with dysmorphia came from. And I remember this very clearly because I was, again, you know, very fit at this point, but very unsatisfied. I remember almost like it was a day that it happened. I looked in the mirror. I took a photo of myself, like a selfie. You know, yeah. I actually wasn't big on those gym selfies, <laughs> despite being on Instagram and being in <laughs> fitness and being a personal trainer. I kind of avoided those. I, was, I thought they were kind of douchey, to be honest. Um, but what I hadn't realized is that I was paying so much attention to other people's highlight reels on social media and like how other like bodybuilder guys and are, are jacked and taking photos of themselves. And I was judging them because I mean, I was insecure, but I was judging them and not actually realizing that they are giving themselves a lot of credit and, and, and they have confidence mostly. And the fact that I was afraid to like take pictures of myself or show off what I had created was actually part of my insecurity that's kind of separate, but what it, but it blocked me from taking photos. And I remember one day I was very lean. I took a photo of myself. I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, oh man, if only you weren't posing and, you know, finding the right angle and the right lighting. And then I was like, what the fuck kind of thought is that? That's what everyone else is doing. Like that's, you're doing exactly what everyone else is doing. You're doing, you're, you are that guy on social media now. Like you're, you're as fit as you ever need to be. Like it just kind of clicked that I realized I was bullshitting myself and I realized judging my body so harshly was just such a waste of time. Um, there are a lot of lessons that kind of grew into this, but it, it really made kind of snap me out of my body dysmorphia that I was able to just like see myself in the right way and realize that my thoughts were the problem, not my body. Um, I'm not saying that <laughs> like, if you just tell yourself you're beautiful, you're going to be beautiful, but it is half the equation. Um, yeah. So that kind of journey of, of realizing what it took to reduce anxiety around food, reduce anxiety or, or uh, enhance your coping mechanisms. So be able to cope with life and stressors in healthy ways and treat yourself with kindness was really what took that fit kind of science that, that I had figured out how to like balance alcohol and carbs and stuff like that. And made it feel all worth it, but also enhanced my enjoyment of life and enhanced my enjoyment of my time. It, it made me more present. It enhanced my enjoyment of every drink, every bite that I had, and then I needed less. And when I needed less, everything became easier. So on the coaching side, 
what I want everyone to know, and this is why I run the business that I run, is that there are a lot of ways in which you can change your body. The science is pretty clear. Um, doesn't make it easy, but it, it is very clear. You can manipulate your body composition like crazy. But if you don't love who you are, if you don't learn to love yourself, it's not going to matter. And if you don't change your relationship with health, with food, with alcohol, um, you're never going to be able to control all of it. And if you want to be lean and confident and healthy, you have to focus on those relationships, but you also have to create some change in order to, to become someone that you actually want to be. And I think the big message there is that like the thing that the entire industry really confuses is what is health and what is healthy. Um, so like focusing on eating the right foods, focusing on limiting the wrong foods, things like that. While there's some truth to it, it has a lot more to do with your relationships with food and alcohol and the things that you do. Health is in the relationships because everything requires context, right? I don't know if you've heard this, but you know, there's plenty of people on social media now talking about how there's no such thing as good or bad foods. The reason why that is, is because you can't just say something's good or bad without context. In any context, something could be good or bad, meaning be helpful or problematic. So that's something that I think the world really needs is to realize that health is a contextual word. Um, it's more than just what you eat and how you work out. And what is healthy is entirely dependent on your relationship with it, not what you're actually doing or eating or drinking or enjoying. Um, and yeah, especially with like junk food and alcohol and stuff like that, it's perfectly fine if you have a good relationship with it. Yeah. That's one thing I, I noticed. I was checking out your Instagram and I, I noticed there was a picture of you with, I think it was cinnamon toast crunch, which is just basically, you know, uh, garbage <laughs> a lot of sugar yeah uh, my kids have gotten it you look at the bottom of the container that we put in a clear container it's like just sugar sugar and cinnamon yeah yeah it's my girlfriend's favorite part yeah yeah well the cinnamon's really good um and but but you had this you, had, you talked about that yeah. relationship and and really like when is it okay and when is it bad so this journey that you were on let's let's kind of move back a little bit. You kind of talked about the origin of your, like your, your self image and, and um, what took you to the point where you started to really recognize it? Because it, you, what you were explaining is I was chasing something to make me happy and it wasn't making me happy. I actually, I actually have a really good memory for that one. Um, it's so funny. Cause I think, especially as like, this is actually one of the reasons why I do prefer working with women is that, uh, they can be a little bit more open and honest about this stuff. It's they're not as hard headed, which is really great for growth. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like as men, it can be really repressed when you're, when you feel like um, you lack confidence, but you don't want to admit that it's a confidence issue because if you admit that it's a confidence issue, then you're weak and you're not confident. And then like your life is over. Uh, so you just don't, you ignore it. Um, and I feel like this is the case with a lot of men. It's like, you don't, you don't necessarily recognize you feel poor. I mean, I, there was definitely moments where I realized I needed more confidence and I recognized that. And people told me like that it was a confidence issue, which, you know, you kind of uh, get defensive about. But I think the main th thing that happened was when someone showed me how exactly it was affecting my life in a poor, in, a, in, in the wrong way. And when it was related to something that I really cared about. So in this example, 
I was like four or five years into uh, personal training. At this point, I was doing a lot of strength coaching with nutrition. So a lot of like weightlifting, I was basically like helping people lift weights and get stronger and, and build muscle and stuff. Not so much on the fat loss side. I was working on this stuff. I was actually living with a guy named Xander Fryer, who you know, and he's a big time coach now for other coaches. But at the time I was living with him, he was just my roommate. And he was on this journey of like, rapidly changing everything in his life, quitting his job. And um, I know you guys will probably have him on the podcast, so I won't tell his story. Um, and he really helped me in so many ways, but I came to him and said, hey, I notice that when I uh, talk to, or, or, or my clients do a good job, I have this really awkward feeling when I try to like praise them. Like when I try to celebrate them or like tell them they did a good job, I get this really awkward feeling. I just I feel like I should be better at like praising my clients and making them feel good. And he was like, well, do, do you ever praise yourself? And that was like the question that I was like, fuck, no. Like, I, it's so dumb. <laughs> it seems so obvious, but I was just like, no, never, literally never. Why would I praise myself? I haven't accomplished shit in my life, right? Because I, and he's like, yeah, okay. So all of my friends, other friends are in nine to fives they hate making decent or shit money and really worried about what they're going to do with their life. You work out of a gym connected to where we live on your own schedule, make the money. And, and I wasn't happy with my career yet or anything. I was, I was grinding at this point and I was like very worn out, but he's like, but you're free, dude. So many people want what you want. And I like, that was like the first time someone had helped me realize that I had accomplished something in my life and that my problem of not being able to praise myself or celebrate myself was now affecting the people I was trying to help. And that hit me in the face and was like, damn, I don't like myself. And it's really not a good idea to keep doing that. So that's where the kind of like self-love, if you will, journey started. I'm going to bring myself into the equation. I, I've been in the fitness industry for, I don't know how many years I've owned a gym. Um, I've worked, I'm, my, my business is in, you know, primarily in the fitness industry. And uh, forever, I had a really hard time putting on muscle and I've been able to put on muscle, but wait, I'm five, six, I'm short. And I find myself in like the evening, just disgusted. Like I've been perfect all day. My everything's dialed. I've done what everybody tells me to do. And I'm still this shape and size. And, and there's such a mental game that goes on from that moment on. You're kind of just, it's, it's a completely beating yourself up. So you were looking good. How is that different? Like, like take my example, I'm still dealing with that. And then what you were like, I look great, but you still didn't like it. Yeah. That's dysmorphia. So I, I think every, a lot of people experience dysmorphia in a different, in different ways. So in my case, it was like, I know it wasn't the most jack person in the world, but like, I think one of the good examples of, of where I was at that should have been noticed earlier was like, when you look at Hollywood physiques and people doing transformations for movies and I'd look at them and be like, I don't know what the fuck this means, but I was, I would look at them and be like, wow, I'm actually more fit than these guys. Mm -hmm. Should I be celebrating that? No, <laughs> I should, I should ignore that and keep going. Um, the fear is that if you stop, you think that you like, okay, actually here's a great one. Um, one of the main issues in the fitness industry is coaches not understanding why they way they they are, they are the way that they are. They right. think they're one hundred percent effort and discipline, and that's what drives the show for them. But that's not true. A lot of them aren't understanding the or not understanding the underlying psychology that motivates them. 
they're really motivated and there is discipline involved, but telling other people that's what they need isn't necessarily true because a lot of us who are more insecure default to discipline, self-discipline. And that's actually what keeps us in a cycle of not succeeding or not following through with what we need to, because we're feeling a lot of guilt and shame and that's lowering our sense of control and belief in ourselves. So for me, as someone who was fit, but not recognizing or not feeling like it was enough, that was purely a self-esteem issue, meaning I did not feel like I was enough. If like, you know, if this is all I have to give really, like if the only thing I have going for me is that I'm aesthetic physically, just my body hated my face, by the way, and my voice. <laughs> I just it wasn't used Y'all to hate their own, I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, getting to know yourself on camera and uh, working on, there's some lots of things that I worked on with that. But uh, for me, it was about feeling like if this is the only thing I have to offer, then it's definitely not enough. It has to be the best, right? It has to be the best I can offer because nothing else about me is good. So that's a terrible way to go through life. Um, when you haven't recognized the things that you actually can love about yourself and other people can love about you. Um, especially like this is a mental illness because you can be surrounded by friends and family and people who love you and, and you can have relationships with, with significant others and still think you're like, don't have that much to offer. And when you don't recognize that you become a burden on other people, mm. you become a burden on your significant others, especially because you don't accept their love because you don't believe in it. You don't believe that you are enough for them to love. So therefore, when they give you compliments, when they say you are something, you just brush it off. You're like, nah, and you just keep yourself down, which makes you a really shitty person to be around. Um, like I wasn't the worst guy. I wasn't a huge douchebag. I wasn't a womanizer or anything like that, which can definitely come from insecurities in men. But I was just kind of a lame duck. Like, mopey guy and I know where that comes from um that's like you know learned behavior when you're a child and your parents are like that and uh yeah so that was a little bit different when I'm coaching people I, and a lot of the experience that I've, I've learned with like coaching people with fat loss specifically and behavior change um that's been hard one too it's been a lot of experience because I, I'm not exactly the same as my clients for one I'm not a woman so I had to learn a lot I've worked with women primarily for nine years. So only now have I really like started to under, try to understand or be able to help women. I'll never really understand what it's like to be a woman. Um, and I shouldn't because I'm a man. <laughs> but that's one big thing that I learned working with women primarily and, and, and only was like, don't try to pretend like you know what it's like to be a woman and don't talk about their experience unless it's very specific to what we're working on. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get shut down fast. Um, and uh, so, yeah, like in someone, I do encounter a lot of people in that, that space where, and I think probably 10 years ago, I was there where at night after a long day of lots of work, like working out and eating right and just trying and trying and trying and you look at yourself and you're like, this is dog shit. And you're just not accepting it. Um, if it's not working, meaning if that's not motivating you to change, not that it's a good thing to do ever because it's just not that healthy. If that's not motivating you to change, then it's definitely not helping you to change. And you need to change what you're doing for the sake of you even succeeding, if not actually feeling good about yourself. So that's where discipline is imbalanced, meaning self-discipline, meaning correcting yourself or punishing yourself for things that you've done wrong or things that you didn't really do wrong, but you just look wrong or something um, is 
putting your self-esteem or self-control down because it's lowering your confidence. So your control, your ability to follow through with all of the things that you need to do day after day after day after day and be consistent with in order to be fit or get to where you want to go in a business, especially. Oh my God. I think my business probably taught me more about my body than my body did. Um, you, if you don't have confidence that you're going to make it there, that you can do this, you're going to crumble. You are not going to be able to follow through with the difficult path that you're on. So indulging in guilt and shame about who you are, or what you've done is going to keep you down. The, the part of your brain, that inner critic that's telling you like you're unworthy, you're, you're dog shit, you, you're fat, you're, you're ugly, you're never going to make it like those usually those are those are feelings, not actual words. But if you let those feelings, you give them words, there's a there's a voice in there. Um, for some people, it's there. Uh, for some people, they repress it and you should let it out. Um, when you hear things like that in your head, there's a part of you that just really doesn't believe in you. And the problem is we are negatively biased as humans. We want to focus more on the negative than the positive because we think that focusing on the negative is going to keep us alive, whereas focusing on the positive is going to distract us from things that are going to kill us, basically. Like this is an evolutionary behavior. So we're convinced that that part of us that like feels bad about ourselves or feels guilty or shameful about what we've done is really important and there for a reason. So we listen to it because we're like, if we disregard that voice, we're definitely going to fail because then we're going to keep doing the things that are bad for us. So we got to punish ourselves, right? But it turns out in the research and in practice, that just keeps you down. And if you keep yourself feeling, it's like happy people, really, truly happy people who are enlightened don't have, I'm not going to say a weight problem because I think there's a large percentage of people that could be considered having a weight problem, but I don't think they have a weight problem, but they're not obese, right? They don't have an illness, a physical illness necessarily that they've created from just eating to cope, right? So why is that? I didn't want to say happy people are thin because that's bullshit, but happy people, it's a lot easier to be healthy and fit because their stress is low. They can make more better decisions. That's it. They don't have all the stressors that you're constantly trying to cope using really pleasurable shit like sugar and alcohol. When you start coping with those things and it works, it really works. It gets you by day to day. Let's not pretend like it doesn't feels really good to have a drink, which is fine, or have some, you know, cinnamon toast crunch, which is fine. But when you start needing another bowl and three more drinks every day, then you have a problem. Or when you try to take it away and you feel like you're deprived and you're going insane, then you have a problem. So when you feel good, you do better things for yourself. It's so much easier to make decisions. So I, even if you feel like you're lying to yourself, when you tell yourself you're awesome and you're worthy and you can do this, keep telling yourself that until you start believing it. I say, figure out why you don't believe it. Go, go straight for the throat there. Um, but that will pick you up. That'll help you. That'll motivate you to keep going. So you're in a negative feedback loop when you feel shitty about yourself and continue to do shitty things. And the only way to get out of it is start to learn to give yourself positive feedback. Because that's the other issue. What ingrains a new habit? Positive experience. Right. Pleasure. You can't feel positive experience or pleasure 
if all of the positive experience or pleasure from praising yourself for doing a good thing is completely drowned out by the focus on what you did wrong and the pleasure you're getting from all the easy stuff like sugar and alcohol, which I enjoy very much. So again, don't forget that I'm not anti-sugar alcohol. Um, so you have to get into a positive feedback cycle, which feels insane sometimes. So it takes a lot of work, um, but that's the mindset game, right? Kind of mind blowing at this point, like just thinking through, you've made so many connections in my head. Yes, this story like last year, now I, I did have COVID. It was, it was February. I, I was just coming down with the, I had got COVID really bad and it was the first day and I was on a call with, with my coach. I was being coached wow. and he um, was, was talking about receiving thanks. And it was a lot about what you're talking about. He's like, you, you know, have you ever like just said when someone compliments, you just said, thank you. I'm like, I'm sure that's easy. He goes, okay, let me, let me, let me try this. He said, okay, Scott, I have no blah, blah, blah. And he read off this whole thing. And it was like, wow, that was awesome. Like, am I really that cool? And I'm like, and then I, I don't remember what I did, but I, I said, thank you. But it was so difficult. It was so hard. He said, just say thank you. I'm like, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I started to do this stuff. And he's like, no, like you're not accepting. Yeah. And, and you just like hit a nerve because I think that's probably an issue with a very high percentage of uh, the population, specifically with people that probably are struggling with body dysmorphia or, or just not really connecting their feelings to their actions and their outcomes. And that was a really big moment from, for me. And um, I don't know, you just really kind of struck that. I think that that's so powerful. I know exactly what you're talking about too. And uh, I call it awkwardness <laughs> when like you feel awkward from some kind of interaction or someone tells you something nice when you feel awkward like if you look in the mirror and you say I love you to yourself you're telling yourself that you love you like someone you care about would but that more than even them is going to produce a very awkward feeling in you um, sometimes it's it's not awkward sometimes it feels terrible sometimes it feels really good but when you get that awkward feeling that's usually like you disconnecting from the the thank you essentially mm -hmm. like not accepting the thank you so i have clients who might do that and they'll like laugh yeah and i'm like yeah that's that's fine but like what about that is funny to you you don't take yourself seriously not that you should take yourself super seriously but you don't take your love seriously like you can't accept. And I think I like that even more. It's like, you can't accept it. You're not accepting it. If you're, if you're feeling awkward and that's okay. But whenever you're, you're feeling something like that, I always say that you need to like one ground yourself. <laughs> it's not like when someone's saying you, I'm the same way. I want to explain things too. So I'll be like, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and just keep talking, ground yourself, be like, thank you. Appreciate that. Feel it. And that grounded or pause or feeling moment is really where the truth comes out. So you can experience the truth. You can experience their compliment. You can experience some good things. You can also experience some incredibly shitty feelings. So when someone says, I love you, or you say, I love you, or someone gives you a compliment or whatever it is, and you feel awkward or weird, and then you sit with that feeling 
you'll notice some real dark stuff under there mm. that everybody has literally everyone don't be don't pretend like you're you're something's wrong with you and if you give that feeling of voice just as like a practice for self-growth i guess if you give that feeling of voice you'll hear that part of you that learned that this is not okay like that this is not something i should do that i don't deserve this whatever it is sometimes i just say tell them say i love you feel what comes out give that feeling of voice give it say the worst thing you can imagine connected to it <laughs> so like a great example of say i love you in the mirror um just because this is a very vulnerable exercise i love this one say i love you in the mirror and you and you feel something weird and then you take a breath and you, you sit with it and you find it and uh sometimes you'll just hear like you fucking fat bitch like just something so mean and absurd that the fact that you that it came out like that the best part is when you don't believe it because you're like what 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 the fuck was that that's insane or you know you you actually do feel it but you get to respond to it now and that's the big piece is responding to that voice with love or positivity or disregard um basically this whole thing is about opening up your uh opening up a dialogue in a relationship with your inner critic and your inner critic is really like your inner child, your inner teenager, your inner yesterday, whoever experienced something really bad and decided to make a stupid decision about it and blame you for it. Um, so in other words, there's a lot of forgiveness and a lot of love that was not given and needs to be given to yourself in order to feel good about yourself. Um, especially if you think about whether or not you're a good person and you immediately feel guilt. That's a big one. Guilt is such it's there for a reason. It's, it's there to keep you in line and not do really terrible things, but it's, it's such a toxic, uh, indulgence that people have. So if you give yourself negative feedback ever, you do something and you don't like it and you say that was fucking dumb and your response isn't okay, I'll do better. Then that wasn't the right piece of feedback. Right. If you feel yourself cr like crumble or like, like shrink when you tell yourself something or give yourself feedback you need more love like right now like it's all good like we're gonna like just like give that kid in you who's like doesn't know how to handle this a hug basically uh whether you're doing it like in your head or you're just saying something nice because that's you crumbling under discipline because it's disproportionate to the amount of love that you're getting children need both love and discipline it's very eye-opening heard it all before, but really tying it to nutrition and, and, um, losing weight or, or looking better is a, like at a whole nother level. Do you feel like this is the, the hardest work with your clients? Is that this part of the journey? Yes, easily. Cause all the other stuff is basically education, right? It's like, uh, cause I mean this, I would, I would count this as your relationship with yourself, but also with food and everything, because the food, the alcohol, those things are, uh, just coping mechanisms for stress, right? They just make you feel good, make you feel better. Um, so if you're like a quote unquote emotional eater, you're a human that has emotions that has started coping with food and every person does that because food is awesome. Food is delicious food basically works every time to make you feel good 
for at least a moment, okay. right? Unless you feel terrible afterwards, which happens a lot. Um, so this is definitely most of the work. Everything else is like teaching them how to like actually fat loss works, um, how to exercise, uh, what kind of things that you should probably include a lot of in your diet. Uh, those things are pretty simple. And then it's like making it work, putting it into action is really hard for about 50% of my clients. 50% of my clients really listened and they implement the, the mindset work, if you will, the mental health work, the self-love and it, everything clicks. And it's like the simplest thing ever. And they're like, wow, I'm almost like annoyed that I had to pay for this because it's so damn simple. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, yeah, you, you got, you got changed, but, um, 50% of the people just, they struggle with that. And you can see it. I can see it when they're work, when I'm working with them, like you're not doing the work. You're just bashing your head against the wall, trying to make this kind of nutritional change work and these workouts work and just get them done. And when that's I, like I say in my program, it's like, if, if you continue to try to be consistent with something that's not working and you're, you're just trying to put more willpower in it, into it, that's like bashing your head against the wall, expecting to get to the other side when we could just open a door right next to it and walk through. And that's the mindset work. That's the mental health work. Because if you make it easy for yourself mentally, you're going to do it. Like everything starts with, with thought, right? Every action starts with a thought. Mm. Uh, every behavior is preempted by how you identify as a person, your values, and your self-confidence. Like literally one of the most basic theories that is taught in school around psychology, like the first day is self-efficacy theory. Yeah. Yeah. So people who think they can do things will do them. People who think they can't won't. That's it. So confidence, and that's, that's basically self-confidence, right? Your belief in, a, in your ability to do something. That's one aspect of self-confidence. And uh, that's, that's huge. And it's overlooked like crazy. I think it's so relatable uh, in health, in business. I mean, in, in being an entrepreneur or whatever, I think it, it, it is so pivotal and so important. Let's transition a little bit because I've just learned a mind-blowing amount of things that were things I knew, but push, putting them into new relationships uh, and new, new bridges, like you know, bridging the gaps between certain things has been extremely powerful. Yeah. Let's talk about you and kind of like, some of the principles and things that you, that have gotten you to where you are today, because you're, you're a successful coach, you're helping women lose weight. You're, you obviously have very impactful information. Like you said, I, I, I love that you said, you know, sometimes people are like, why am I paying you? This is so simple. It, it is simple. They're not upset at that point. They're stoked, but they're just yeah. like, it's almost yeah. like, God damn it. <laughs> like, why didn't I? <laughs> no, I, and, and I think that's a, it's, I think that's actually an amazing Testament. I think it's a, it's, sure. it's yeah. really good. Um, so while you've been building your business and going through this process, what, what has been your favorite way to learn or, or who has been your favorite way to learn? I, I just, we just wanted, what resources have you used to grow? Actually, yeah, I have a really good one. Um, are we going to talk about mentors and like other things like that? Because I, yeah, okay, I figured we were. I have some very important people in my life, but one of the things that I think, I think personal development needs to be very personal. Like the people you listen to, you know, it, it helps if you kind of, like them <laughs> like if you don't like them you're not going to believe them you're not going to want to listen to them um so one of the people who weren't wasn't that really influenced me who wasn't just an author 
or wasn't someone that I even like paid a bunch of money to be um, uh, my coach, kind of in between massive influence was, <laughs> I don't recommend this for everyone, but Kyle Cease, have you ever heard of him? No. Okay. Kyle Cease was actually an actor, um, comedian, and he's in some like movies that people have seen and stuff, but he went into like the transformational space and called himself a transformational comedian. I'm a big fan of comedy. Uh, and I, I really clicked with his message because he explained a lot of the things that I explained in a very different way. So like your inner child and like social programming and, you know, where your beliefs come from, but he makes jokes out of it, which attracted me to him. But there was a very hard, difficult time, like right in the beginning of my business and life. And when I say the beginning of my business was basically me transferring about three years ago from the gym onto the online space. And I was in a rut and I just was scared. And I started listening to his, his content and stuff like that. And he's a student of Eckhart Tolle, if that's how you say it. Do you know who that is? No. The uh, yeah, sorts of new names. This is Power cool. of Now. Oh, okay. It's like very, it's, it's almost like woo-woo stuff. Yeah. But just like listening to him kind of joke and it's almost like NLP or like neuro-linguistic programming um just listening to him talk about concepts and like who you are and why you like really don't need to care about like all of these things and it's like it helped me really detach I, i'm not going to explain how he does it because it's totally not me um but he, the way his humor his energy he's doing the same kind of work that maybe like tony robbins would do uh, on stage like helping people break through some shit uh changing lives but he's pretty funny and that really connected with me and his explanation of abundance and self-love really helped me connect with it and just kind of not take life too seriously and that got me through some pretty hard times I definitely recommend if you like uh, to goof around a bit uh, checking out Kyle Cease and, and his content and stuff yeah, that's a totally different approach. It's really cool. Like, you know, I, that's why I love asking these questions because I learn about new people and new approaches yeah. all the time. And that one is very unique. And I can see where comedy would really, really help certain people kind of yeah. bring that information in and, and process it. So Especially cool. break down, yeah, break down walls and barriers inside your head. Um, it's, I mean, that's what it's for. I think a lot of people might recognize a video that he did that they didn't realize he did. Mm -hmm which was like this popular video that went viral a long time ago um, about <laughs> your emotions are like poop and you gotta like take it's, it was called take a shift and uh, it was just a inspirational video talking about how meditating and, and starting to let yourself feel things is a lot like imagine you're someone who's never taken a shit in their life and for the first time ever you, you're pooping and like, you know, the first few days or something, you would be thinking you're about to die because you're shitting so much because you have a lifetime of shit coming out of your butt into the toilet and you never stop pooping. And it's kind of like the funny thing when you kind of become more emotionally aware and start feeling a lot more things and dealing with trauma and stuff. And, and it's a lot of shit and it starts coming out a lot more. But then after a while, like you start to get rid of all of that. And then it's just kind of a regular thing that you do is regular bowel movements. It's basically, I think he was trying to help men cry, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty good analogy because we yeah. really relate to that. <laughs> it makes us laugh and it makes us 
Yeah. I know we've been paying attention to that stuff since we were adolescents, right? It's, it's always funny. It's always topic between guys. So that's yeah. really cool. But you, you just said a keyword I love to hear is mentors coaching. So let's talk, let's talk about that. Yeah. Like the main one that I have to bring up is Xander Fryer. So he started an incredible coaching business, uh, four or five years ago, maybe. And I was in his living room because we lived together as he created this company. And I just, he, he was very successful in his nine to five. He bailed on that for various reasons and uh, wanted to do more. And he started his company. I watched him start to grow. And then I was like, yo, I think I need you. Um, and I joined his program at the time was called Shit You Don't Learn in College, which is now his podcast. And now it's called High Impact Coaching. Uh, so HIC. And yeah, his, his program. So part of my journey was going back to school when I was a personal trainer for health coaching through like Arizona State. And then just reconfirming that universities can be such a money pit. And uh, I didn't like the education I was getting for the amount of money I was spending. So like, but it taught me a lot. I learned a lot of good lessons there. And then like right towards the end of the program, I dropped out again because I was like $10,000 more for a history class I need to make up and an exercise class I could literally teach better than this person. Or I could pay Xander less than that for actually getting my business going. Turned out that program taught me more about how to coach people, how to be a health coach in practice than the school did because that's basically what it was about. It's about behavior change. It's about confidence, about a lot of different things, along with a lot of other business tactics to get you to feel good and be confident, like chasing something that's really difficult. Um, it inspires the shit out of you. So that program changed my life. And definitely there were some things in it that, that were also a big part of me kind of figuring out how I work and what's going on on the inside and, and uh, how to like just level up. Yeah. I, I have to attest to that program. Uh, my, my business partner and I joined that. Oh yeah. A year and a half or so ago, and maybe it was longer, but to kind of relate the, the impact, I think through us talking to people about it, we've had probably eight to 10 directly start eight to 10 people and then them directing people to it. I would imagine that just us taking that and talking to it, it's probably put 40, 50 people through that program in the last year. That's awesome. That's, yeah. I'm not saying that to brag on who, how we've referred. And um, it's, no, it, I, yeah, I'm the same bird because it worked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's gotten his, a lot of his growth has come from a lot of the work that he's done. I've, I've referred probably like 10 people and, and most of them joined uh over, over the last few few years I, I just fully believe in that program and what they do it's it's incredible yeah another thing that i would say about it is there's just so much support uh for a lot of things outside you you said it good business practices marketing how to be a better coach it's it's teaching yeah. people how to be a transformative coach not just a coach it's out there yeah actually you need to transform people's lives so yeah. I, I i'll just double down on that because i think it's it's important to say and we're still involved in it, obviously. Really simple question. If you have 30 minutes, are you reading a book, listening to a podcast? 30 minutes to learn, excuse me. Reading a book, listening to a podcast, reading blogs, watching YouTube. Definitely podcasts or, and or like audiobooks. 
because I like to walk and walk my dogs and do that at the same time too. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, before I ask the last question, I want you to kind of one more time, tell people about your your business, what you do, give us your 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 email, or I mean, excuse me, your web address, whatever it is that you would like to share with the world. Yeah, that'd be great. So uh, I coach women exclusively uh, to lose 10 to 30 pounds of body fat without giving up booze or carbs uh, in about four months. So they can be confident and feel free about around food and their body and themselves. Uh, it's really about health and confidence, um, mental health, especially. I, uh, my Instagram is at Griffin H Burke. Uh, my name will be on the, on this podcast. So podcast you can notes. Fill yeah. that out. Uh, my website is www.happy-physique.com. Um, yeah, typically my clients are a lot of women in corporate world. So a lot of them are in tech, they're lawyers, they're, man they're in management, um, they're very busy people and therefore, you know, they want to look good, they want to feel good, but they don't have a lot of time. Um, they've tried a lot of different trendy diets because that happens in the workplace, doesn't it? Um, they're very influenced by the culture around them and, and uh, therefore they've experienced the ups and downs of dieting. So if, especially that's a big uh, qualifier of mine, if you've experienced the ups and diet downs of diet diets, gaining and lo or losing and gaining weight back, um, feeling a lot of anxious anxiety or burnout around exercise routines and dieting. Um, and you don't have more than like 30 to 50 pounds to lose, then we should definitely talk. Um, and there is a reason why I put a cap on that amount of weight. It's just a different process. I'm, I'm there for the last bit, um, <laughs> uh, big stuff, but, uh, yeah. What else? Well, I just want to, I want to say that it's really to, to the listener who's never hired a coach or, or, or maybe is a coach to have those thresholds. Like this is who I work with. That's what you want to look at, look for yeah. when you're, when you're hiring somebody, you want to work, look for someone that has specific thresholds and won't just take anybody. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. All right. Last question. Usually the hardest one for people. If you go back in time and share a piece of advice to yourself, what would it be? That's a really good question. I think I would tell my younger self, I would tell them that people can change in a good way. People are not fixed. You're not stuck being the person you are. You can grow, you can change, uh, you can be better and uh, you're definitely worth it. Just a little bit of, I'd probably do a little more explaining. I, that's just a very personal thing to me is like, I feel like I heard it in a movie or there's a lot of stupid movies and shows that say that where it's like, people don't change. I'm like, people, people change a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can control who you want to be, I think everyone should improve and change to become someone they actually really want to be. That's a huge thing in my coaching is, uh, unfortunately, we all have standards and it's really hard to escape those standards. So you better evaluate them and you better meet them or you're always going to be unhappy with yourself. Um, it doesn't mean you need to go to extremes. It just means you've got to meet your own standards. That's where happiness comes from. Yeah. Great. Griffin, thank you so much for being a guest. I really yeah. learned a lot from you today. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.